You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Last week, uh, we had a special guest with us, uh, Bishop Ed Gunger. I don't know if you realize just how special a guest Ed was. He is very well known in the Christian community, speaks at a lot of places, and uh, just a really great guy. Uh, I was out of town, so I was unfortunately I couldn't be here, but uh, we'll be listening to the podcast. But everything I heard was just so positive, and he spoke about the serenity to accept the things that we cannot change. And this week, you've had a chance to practice that. You've had a chance to be in traffic. I'm sure you've had long lines at the store. Uh, You've had to accept the fact that you're getting older. You've had to accept the fact that you're heading to uh, family dinners with some people that are very difficult in a few days. You've had to accept the economy and what's going on, and you've had to accept other people in your life. There's all kinds of stuff, right, that we can't change, that we need serenity to accept that. Next week, we're going to talk about God give me the wisdom to know the difference. But today, today is where... Do you need courage to change something that God is calling you to change? It's a very fascinating thing about the Christmas story in Scripture. When you look at it, you notice that the most frequent command given to all the characters in the Christmas story is that God is trying and loves to give people courage. For example, when Zechariah was visited by an angel. He was going to be, of course, the father of John the Baptist, the husband to Elizabeth. We're told Zechariah was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Then the message, of course, comes to Mary. Same thing. She experiences great fear, but the angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary. And then the word comes to the shepherds in the field. And the same exact thing. Their first experience is being terrified. But the angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. It seems like the main message of angels in the Bible is don't be afraid. Now why is that? Well, part of it is probably because we have kind of a non-biblical idea of what angels are and maybe what they look like. You know, sometimes you see little cartoons and angels are kind of these soft characters. But it's kind of strange because the Bible says an encounter with an angel must be a pretty sobering thing. Uh, The famous author C.S. Lewis said, In Scripture, the visitation of an angel is almost always alarming. It literally has to begin by saying, Fear not. (laughs) This little Victorian angel that people draw, he says, looks as if it were going to say, They're there now. See, when the call of God comes to a life, and it almost always does, there really are two responses that we have. The first response is no, not going to do it. And the second one is yes, whatever you say, God. Mark this down. The road of no is marked by fear. The road to yes is almost always marked by courage. And the life you lead depends really on which road you choose. There's a no that leads to fear, and there's a yes that leads to courage. 
And we see it in almost every character in the Christmas story, but particularly we see a tremendous battle between fear and courage in the life of this guy, this man named Joseph. As you know, Joseph is told that Mary is pregnant, and this is what the text says. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered, considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. See, here's the thing about it. Marriage is a very sobering commitment. I proposed many, many years ago to Robin, and when I went to pop the question, I suddenly realized I was kind of scared, and there was two reasons. One was there was a real possibility, not a great possibility, but a, a real possibility she could say no. It really hadn't occurred to me before that moment. The other possibility was she could say yes. <laughs> and you start, start thinking about it, and you start thinking, what if we get married and it's not what we expected? What if something changes? What if I'm really not up to this marriage thing? What if she changes or I changes or we both change? See, getting married, among other things, is always an act of courage. Change almost always requires an act of courage. But for Joseph in this story, it is like on a different level. Joseph, this righteous man, finds out that his fiancée is pregnant. And Joseph knows it's not by him. And when Matthew says that Joseph was a righteous man, that phrase was kind of a technical expression. In Hebrew, it was a word, the word Sadiq. What this means is that Joseph was known for his uncompromising obedience to the book of Torah, the book of the law. Mark it down. Whatever the law said, whatever the Torah said, Joseph did. He didn't eat unclean foods. He didn't mix with the wrong kind of people. He didn't keep the carpentry shop open on the Sabbath to try to make a few extra drachmas or whatever. He was a Sadiq. And everybody in that little village where he lived knew that about him. I mean, nobody invited Joseph over for ham sandwiches with tax collectors and prostitutes because he was exactly what people wanted to be in that culture. The way that people want to be in our culture, CEOs who are in business and athletes want to be all-stars and a Florida grad wishes that they had gone to Florida State. That's exactly <laughs> the way Joseph is. An Israelite wanted to be a Sadiq because then they would be looked up to and respected and admired. This is what Joseph was. But he's a Sadiq with a problem because he was engaged. His fiancée was now pregnant, and he was not the father. And that is not acceptable. In fact, the Torah has very clear instructions about what to do in this situation. When your whole reputation, your whole identity revolves around one thing, that is doing what the Torah says, it's very serious. Here's how serious it was. If a woman pledged to be married were sexually unfaithful, there was a section in the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament in the Torah that covers this. Think about this. She should be brought to the door of her father's house, and there the men of her town shall stone her to death. She has done a disgraceful thing in Israel by being promiscuous while still in her father's house. You must purge this evil from among you. That's pretty rough. 
So everybody in the village assumed they knew what he was going to do. All his fellow Sadiqim would remind him that, listen, Joseph, you don't have any choice. This has to be publicly exposed. And here the story takes a very strange turn. Literally, the text says, being a righteous man, he wanted to avoid a scandal. And it's kind of uh, challenging to translate, but a New Testament scholar by the name of Don Hagner says that the best translation of this passage is probably this. Although he was a righteous man, in other words, in spite of the fact that he was a Sadiq, he didn't want a scandal. What you need to know is that in this Christmas story, there's a great tension going on. Under the old system, the law would demand that Mary be exposed. Sinners had to be excluded. Standards had to be maintained. Under the old system, the righteous had to separate themselves from sin and from sinners. Righteous men would not have hesitated, but Joseph hesitates. He cannot bring himself to say those words. He cannot bring himself to lead the parade to her father's house. There is anguish going on here day after day inside of Joseph. And by the time the angel comes to him, Joseph apparently has struggled with this for some time. He already knows that Mary is pregnant, so he's been kind of struggling. And Joseph knows that if he marries a pregnant girl, he's going to lose everything. Reputation, identity. So the angel come, and this is so striking to me. The angel says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. I love what God does here. He kind of reminds Joseph, like he will do a lot of you in this room, who you really are. He says, you are Joseph. Now, Joseph, of course, in the Old Testament was a hero. Remember, his brothers sold him into slavery. His employer later threw him into prison, falsely accusing him. But Joseph wasn't afraid. He said yes to God's call. And Joseph experienced this incredible destiny. And he says to Joseph in the story, he says, listen, you're Joseph. You're named after somebody. You're Joseph, not only Joseph, but Joseph, son of David. We know about David, little shepherd boy David, who fought lions and bears. He took this giant on named Goliath. If anyone showed courage in the Old Testament, it would have been David. He says, you are Joseph, son of David. You have an identity. And by the time this happens, of course, Joseph is going to divorce Mary quietly. Listen, there's no way in this town that people are going to believe <laughs> that an angel came to a poor little couple in an obscure little village and impregnated a virgin teenage girl. Listen, it's not going to happen. They'll think what they always think, what people in our day think when a pregnant girl gets married. If Joseph married his girl, his friends would never accept the account of what happened. He would be committing social suicide. But you know what he did? If he committed himself to this baby, the one that they say would be known as Jesus, who knows what would happen? Who knows what amazing things might take place? So Joseph does something in verses 24 and 25 that are just remarkable. The first thing he does is he says he takes Mary home. They understand in the Bible when it says he takes her home, that doesn't mean they went out on a date and he went home, okay? It means that it was a legal step. 
It meant that Joseph completed the marriage ceremony and publicly claimed her as his wife. That's what it means when it says he took her home. And then the text says that Joseph names the baby. That he names the baby. That too is a legal action. He is publicly claiming that I'm going to adopt this child as my own. Legally now, Joseph has deliberately tied his destiny to two of the most stained trash reputations in that village. He has made a decision that will awe anyone who ever understands it. He did one thing that a Sadiq never did. And I'll tell you this, whatever the future holds for this guy named Joseph, it will not be respectability ever again. Let me show you how fully Joseph bets the farm and what kind of courage it took for Joseph. Jesus was part of a larger family. Take a guess, how many brothers and sisters do you think Jesus have that we know of? Anybody? Okay, good guess. Their names, we're told in verse uh, 6, or excuse me, verse 3 of chapter 6 in Mark's Gospels, that he had four brothers at least. Their names were James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. It's a little hard to tell from the English translation because those are the Greek versions of the names. But in Hebrew, they would have been names for Israel's famous patriarchs, Jacob, Joseph, Judah, and Simeon. Scholars think it may well be, may be, that Mary and Joseph gave their sons these names because they believed that through their son Jesus, God was once again going to renew his people. That God once again was going to fulfill this dream of a redeemed community. And in Mark chapter 6 verse 3, I think we see just a little part of the price that Joseph paid. There's a scene in Joseph's hometown where people of his hometown are kind of expressing skepticism. Like they're not really getting on board with Jesus. All his claims and his teachings and his miracles. And they're just kind of blowing Jesus off like no big deal. And they actually make the comment they say about Jesus. Isn't this Jesus the son of Mary? Here's the thing. In that culture, no one would ever refer to a man that way. A man would always be referred to as the son of his father. And even though, even though Joseph may have been dead by then, Jesus still would have been known as Jesus, son of Joseph, Jesus bar Joseph. But they don't do that. To refer to a man as the son only of the mother could be a real harsh expression. Something like we use in our day, hopefully we don't use it, but people would say the son of a, Right? Insulting the mother. Mark 6.3 may reflect the fact that decades later in that little village, Joseph's reputation still had not recovered from his marriage. Listen, and the only two people in the world really that knew that were Joseph, excuse me, Mary and Jesus. And of course the third would be Joseph. What I want to say to you is that friends, this is the courage of the Christmas story. And this is the courage that is talked about in this prayer. The courage to change the things I can. I was thinking about this. Maybe God decided that Jesus, remember he was called friends of sinners, should be raised in a family that knew firsthand what it felt like to be second class citizens. Surely that's how it was for Jesus growing up. There had to be whispers about him and about his mom and about them growing up in that town. And if you wonder whether those things can still go on, believe me, they can. 
Maybe part of why Joseph had such a heart and Jesus had such a heart for unrespectable people is that he was raised in a family that lost its respectability. Maybe one reason that Jesus had such compassion for women who were kind of walking scandals when he grew up is that he knew what it meant to his mom for that dad to stick around, for Joseph to stick around when she was single and pregnant and everybody else wanted to pick up a stone. You guys remember the story in John chapter 8? There's a story in John where the woman is caught in the act of adultery. And remember, she's tried, condemned, sentenced like that. And she's all surrounded by this group of religious people, a group of sadiqdom. And they pull Jesus into this and they say, Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery. And they say something real significant. They say, in the law... Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? Do you feel the tension in this story? You're supposed to be a Sadiq. What do you say, Jesus? And then maybe one of the greatest mysteries in all the Bible. Jesus bends down and writes in the ground. Remember this? For 2,000 years, people have been trying to figure out what in the world was this guy writing? Lots of guesses. Some people think he was writing the Ten Commandments. Some think he was writing different laws that different people in that circle had violated. You know, the one like staring out at the window of a woman committing adultery. That would be one. It is possible. Nobody knows, so don't quote me on this. But could it be possible that maybe he wrote one single word in that dust that day, and the word was mom? Maybe in that moment, Jesus thought about a scared, possibly 13-year-old pregnant girl in a village consumed by scandal and this strong, courageous, young Sadiq named Joseph who gave up everything to stand by her. And Jesus writes whatever it was he wrote. And then he says, let the one who was without sin cast the first stone. He loved and protected her when everybody else was ready to stone her. Kind of interesting, like father, like son. Here's what God, I think, would say to some of you this Christmas season. Live fearless this time of year. The angel may not come to you, but you can live with courage to change what you can. The angel says to Joseph, Mary... And raise this Messiah and receive your destiny and go on this great adventure and serve God. But whatever you do, Joseph, do not give in to fear. You know, we're told that Joseph considered rejecting this marriage. It says, but after he had considered this, and it's kind of interesting to me, the angel waits until after he's been pondering this. And some of you are thinking, well, why did the angel wait to come after all the anxiety? Like, why didn't God come before the anxiety? Why does the angel make Joseph sweat it out? Hmm. I'll tell you what I think. I think it's because Joseph, and I think because we are going to have to face fear and risk and anxiety and certainty all the rest of our life. If you think courage means not having fear, you're wrong. 
We often think of courageous people that we read about or see on the TV. We think about them being courageous as having no fear. And it's just the opposite. The only people who can really exhibit and exercise courage are people who are afraid. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's doing what God wants you to do in the presence of fear. A great Christian writer named G.K. Chesterton says this. He says, courage is a strong desire to live taking the form of a readiness to die. And this means as long as you live, friends, as long as you live, God will keep putting you into places of risk so you can trust him and exercise courage and grow. And then trust him and exercise courage and grow. And he will lead you into those places over and over and over again. That fear, listen, is never going to go away. But every time you meet it, every time you meet it, you will grow as a person. What I do know this is you cannot grow by listening to pastors talk about growing. You cannot grow by listening to great talks even about courage. The only way you can grow is by trusting God and obeying Him and taking a step of action. Joseph says yes. He takes Mary on. He takes her home. But then that's not the end of fear. Get this. An angel later comes back to Joseph. And I'm sure Joseph was like, oh, here we go again. She's pregnant again? What's going on? And the angel says, get up. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Oh, that's great. The most powerful man in the world is out to destroy my little, my little boy who I'm supposed to protect. Again, what do you think he felt? Fear. So he does what the angel says. He leaves and goes to Egypt. And interestingly enough, Herod eventually dies. And an angel comes to Joseph and says, listen, you can come back to Judea. But when Joseph heard that Archelaus, a really dangerous ruler who was reigning over Judea, was in place of his father Herod, Joseph was afraid to go there. He's got more fear. And then the angel comes back and he has to get direct with him. See, this is it. Joseph lives in constant risk and danger. He experiences the fear of a parent. You know what it was like when your first kid was born? You got this tremendous surge of joy and happiness, and all of a sudden you have this tremendous surge of, like, panic and fear that you're responsible for that little blob of tissue. <laughs> I've told people this week, they ask me, what's the secret to great parenting? And I just tell kids the truth. I just tell them the truth. Best thing you can do for your kids is to save up money. They can use, up, use it for college or therapy, whichever one they choose. Right? It's interesting. In the Christmas story and all the Bible, Joseph never speaks up. Everybody else is talking. Mary, Zechariah, Elizabeth, Herod the Great, the wise men. Even the shepherds get to talk. It seems like Joseph alone is the only one really silent. Now maybe he was shy, maybe he was quiet, maybe he was by nature a little timid. But all he does is he just keeps doing what God tells him to do. He just says, God, just grant me the courage to change the things I can. Here's the key for whenever you're afraid, friends. 
From the beginning, the angel gives Joseph a reason not to give in. He says, don't be afraid, Joseph, because what is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit, and you are to give him the name Jesus. In other words, listen, I am with you. God is with you. You will not face this alone. The call, listen, don't just try to conjure up courage. Don't just try to manufacture it by willpower. Go back to the words that the angel said. Jesus is with you. Do not be afraid. So here's the question as we close. Where does God want to give you courage to change this season? I'll let you in on a secret today. It's something you probably already know. The change, whatever you're being called to change, it almost always is the call to change something about yourself before you change something outside yourself. God does want you to help him change the world, but I'll tell you this, before we get changed first, unless we change ourselves first, we really can't change things around us. And if you think I'm talking about something grand, I'm really not. I'm just talking about even starting somewhere small. Jesus said some one time, remember Jesus said, if you just love people who are easy to love, he says, if you just love people who love you back, he said, anybody can do that. Babies do that. The mafia does that. Here's a challenge for Christmas. One of the most important things you can do to change is to ask God to give you a spiritually or a uh, difficult person in your life. Now here's the good news. It's Christmas time. So some of you are going to be sitting around the table with those very same people in just a few days. There's going to be a person in your family or extended family or friends or whoever that's very difficult for you. And here's the deal. You can go through the whole Christmas season with your arms kind of clutched, you know, crossed. And you can just think, I'd love to pick up a stone right now. <laughs> now, a lot of churches do pick up stones. And you can pass judgment for whatever reason. You can say you're too old or you're too bad or you're too off or you're too wrong. Or you're too weird or you're too loud or whatever. Or you can hear God's invitation to be courageous. And you can remember that the love that came your way can come their way. I love this quote from Anne Lamont. She says, you can safely assume you've made God over in your own image when it turns out he hates all the same people you do. Maybe the courage you need is just to love a hard to love person. Maybe God is calling you to change something else, like an attitude or a habit. Maybe some relational dynamic. Maybe it has something to do with yourself. Or maybe God is calling you to change circumstances. Maybe through an act of service or a generous gift or an outward demonstration of courage. Listen, I promise you there will be plenty of opportunities during this Advent season to do this. But what I want you to hear right now is the words that God spoke to Joseph. He said... Fear not. Joseph, don't worry about the things you cannot change. I will give you serenity for those. But just focus on the things you can change and be courageous. And I promise, Joseph, if you will do that, change will come. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. 
If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.